Joining us now, our good friend, Mr. Al Beck. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to say good morning, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea, but it's stopped raining now, so I, I won't <laughs> be able to say that anymore. It's uh, it's amazing, isn't it, folks, how that water just disappeared. Uh, I walked the road ditches as part of my walk. There was no water in the ditch. We got six and a half inches oh of rain, and it, it was... It was pretty dry. I mean, it wasn't soggy at all. So I, I guess everything uh, welcomed that water and uh, drank it down with a great thirst. It was so like it a big was, giant sponge because I know even in my gardens there were giant cracks. And, you know, if you put a hose there, it just seemed like it went down through the, you know, to the center of the earth. And boy, the weeds sure are liking it. My weeds in my yard, woo, they're they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's... Uh, it's just odd, you know, that uh, we get no rain and then too much rain, and then you don't dare call it too much rain because you didn't get any rain, and you don't want to jinx mm. the whole weather thing. And yeah, it's just. I I do want to thank uh, a gentleman from Fairmont, and he is the uh, the epitome of humbleness. So I I won't mention his name, but he sent me a wonderful little chickadee wind spinner. Aww. So it's one the tiny things with the wings that uh, spin and it's just delightful and I, I thank him so very much and, and he knows who he is and I know who he is so I guess that's what's really important. Uh, the Pelican Breeze, good folks, say if you want to join Al on one, uh, it, give us a call 383 7273 Riding a motorcycle. To <laughs> I was gonna say it's like riding a motorcycle with your mouth open on a buggy night. We used to do that as kids. The oh. whole road we lived on was um, all a marsh, pretty much. So we'd ride bicycles out there, and you'd get up on the little hill. We thought they were giant hills, but pretty small hill, and you could really get going down that hill. And, of course, we'd be giggling and laughing and smart-talking, and you'd swallow a lot of bugs. It would uh, keep you <laughs> quiet for a while. I watched a uh, hawk perch on a utility pole, and it was peering at a tractor moving around in a farm field. Red-tailed hawks are common, and they get to know the machinery that stirs up dinner for them and the field activities of tractors. And combines now, because we see a lot of them out there picking sweet corn and doing things like that. It'll chase rabbits, mice, and voles from hiding. And gulls also enjoy the company of farm equipment, providing comestibles in the form of grubs, worms, and rodents. 
I'm seeing perfectly respectable songbirds that have become ragged-looking because of molts and feathers needing replacements that they're, they're subbed for. I see bald blue jays in my yard, three of them. They're all on the same feeder. The jays are fine. It's nothing more than victims of an irregular molt. And when I was a kid, I was told it was because of mites, and they wouldn't be able to pick their head to get the mites off. But, you know, a friend, I've talked uh, at length about this, It was a bird rehabber, and she had a lot of blue jays, and she had bald blue jays, and she never found uh, a mite on any of those heads. So she believes it's merely a simultaneous molt, and I'm going to go with her. It's the nature of nature. Uh, John from New Ulm uh, said nine days. And boy, Karen, I've not heard of that movie. I'm just, I don't know what happened. I, I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. And it was winter. I mean, it's good. It was winter at the Sundance Film Fest. And there's a New Ulm person that's in the movie, Dave Reisdahl. And he stopped for a Q&A at the theater one night. He and his real-life girlfriend, uh, she's also in the movie. Uh, Sandhill Crane stopped at John's dad's house, and he took a picture of an underground yellow jacket, wasp nest, wall lining. Yeah, boy, those things get huge. I got an email from somebody that lives down near the Iowa border, and they dug one out of a out of a wall of a building. Is that a good oh, idea good. to dig about? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> yeah, they were remodeling the building. Uh, the oh. building had fallen, and... Uh, to ruin and they were going to fix it up and everything so they needed them to get out of there so they had a pest exterminator come in oh, okay and and but they took that out he took the thing out so they could take photos of this gigantic nest is there anything you can do with those nests like can you use them for decor or recycling or something i mean they seem like yeah. they, a lot of work you see a lot of bald-faced hornet nests in nature centers. Oh. The big gray ones that look like footballs, they'll yep. hang them up in the nature center. So people uh, come in there and go, holy cow. Or we had one like that in the yard when I was a kid, that sort of thing. So it brings back memories. So, yeah, you sure can. Well, I got another uh, postcard from John just yesterday I wanted to bring up. It it was sure. uh, the, the first one, I think, was uh, was the postcard of that movie it was nine days which i don't yep. know about but this next one i got yesterday is just great it's a picture that his dad drew because his dad was an artist otto pfeiffer and on the back it says otto's art studios otto henry pfeiffer and andover portraits in charcoal pastel and oil and on the front is just this beautiful uh color uh, uh, picture that his dad had made it it's with will steger and the uh, other trans at international transit Antarctica expedition explorers and their sled dogs in with the flags behind them of what countries they came from. And it's just a really cool thing. And and Al, and uh, John said wanted to send you this. My dad did many years ago. There's a photo of Dad with Will Steger. And here's a joke for you. <laughs> Where right. are average products made? At a satisfactory. You are correct. He said, he bet you knew that one. So anyway, he uh, <laughs> yeah. wanted to send me this, and it's just he's a really very uh, talented artist, and I know he's uh, done other things before uh, people might have recognized from th throughout the state. So uh, thank you, John. I appreciate that. I am always in awe of people with uh, the ability to draw things. The only thing I've ever been able to draw have been flies. <laughs> so I, I, um, 
I'm I'm I just uh, amazed and very appreciative of folks. Uh, Arlene Carr, who I'm very appreciative of, she's from Northfield. She sent me two photos of a rusty patch bumblebee. Ah, I have those. She I love those. It, she <laughs> says on the Joe Pie weed in a raspberry mm-hmm. patch, so she's happy to have it. She sent it off to the oh the state of Minnesota, and they said, "Yep, you got a rusty patch there." So they have. As you might expect, they look like a bumblebee, but they have a little rusty patch, kind of all oh, ab- back area mm-hmm. on them. So they're they're cute, you know. And, um, my granddaughter was all upset because she said a bee was bothering her at her softball game we were at the other day, and it just wouldn't leave her alone. And I said, please, honey, don't call those bees. They're not <laughs> bees. Those are wasps. Oh. You know, you, don't, you give bees a bad name. And she said, well, I don't care. It's bothering me anyway. I said, look, <laughs> if it's cute, if you look at it and say, oh, that's cute. That's a bee. If it looks like it could, uh, oh, I don't know. Kill you? you? Know, some, uh, yeah. <laughs> if it just looks like a real nasty, like a mobster insect or something, that's a wasp. So there's um, that's not the, the complete way of telling the difference, but it's an easy way. Bees are cute; they just look like things you wanna. And I, you know, I could go off and I pet bumblebees, and yeah. I just. And again, I don't recommend people do that, but I do it, and I try not to bother them. They just, I, I'm just so happy to have them as, as company. They're just, they're, they're cute. So I don't know that my granddaughter is uh, fully believing me, but <laughs> I did tell her that they're they're Dumbledores. It's an old oh. English word meaning bumblebee. So well, you know, uh, it it takes that education one person at a time. You got to teach that, you know. The bees are okay, the snakes are okay, all these things, the spiders, because, you know, people have such a reaction. And and I think, I don't know if they've had a bad experience or if they've read a bad story about them, but I always just think like spiders with Charlotte's Web. What a what a nice little spider. And on these garden sites that I, I belong to, if somebody puts a picture of a spider, somebody will say, get the blowtorch, you know, all these things. And, oh. and it, it, it makes me sad because they're such good things. And I always get startled, I will admit, when I see a snake, but I know they're good. So then after the, my startle factor goes, and I'm like, well, it's okay, go on your way. Yeah, this granddaughter, when she was little, she was the first one to go pick up a snake and look at it and everything. (laughs) And I don't know that she's that way now. I think she might just say, well, a nice snake and not touch it or anything. (laughs) My wife and I go out and visit uh, our GOP every day to see what she's caught and what she's eating. It was interesting when all the rain came down, she would go down inside the plant and get under a leaf or something down low and she'd have to move every so often i'd see from one leaf to another because the weight of the raindrops on the leaf would dump on her i suppose after a while so she went without any uh food i'm guessing for that time when she was down there but it's it's fun she's great company and oh they're just so beautiful so colorful uh, Tim Scott sent something from the BBC that says the research- researchers think street lights may deter nocturnal moths from laying their eggs or put the insects at risk of being spotted and consumed by predators such as bats. He sent a thing from Live Science saying that the dive speed of peregrine falcons has been recorded at over 200 miles per hour according to the Guinness World Records. Wow. And 
And the New York Times article from Columbia in 1912, they did a bunch of research down there, um, ornithologists. But now the eastern, it's, Columbia is where the eastern foothills of the Andes melt into the forest of the lowlands of the Amazon basin. And what was once an ocean of forest, it's been reduced to islands in a this sea of pasture now. But they're still finding some of the same bird life present that was there in 1912 and is still hanging on. So uh, Gunnar Berg sent me a photo of a Lawrence's warbler. A Lawrence's warbler might not be in your field guide because it's a cross between a golden-winged and a blue-winged warbler. Jerry Victoria sent me a photo of a baby snapping turtle. Earlier in the year, he'd sent me a photo of the mama turtle out there laying eggs. Uh, Jack May sent me some photos of goldenrod. And, uh, again, I love goldenrod. It's, as I say all too often, it's world-class insect zoo. And it makes for spectacular cut flowers, folks, if you like cut flowers. It certainly does. This, it, this morning you mentioned goldenrod. I have some. I, don't, I didn't plant it in my yard here in Mankato, but there's some spectacular stuff. It's over my head. And I cut some this morning along with some of those Rudbeckia, those black-eyed Susans, and brought yeah. those in for a bouquet. And what a, what a lovely arrangement with all the, the yellows. So, yes, it's an excellent cut flower. I just love to see those. And during the state fair, when I worked up there every year, I would go over to the the place at the Floral Hall that would display all those things. And they'd always have goldenrods in a lot of those. And I thought they were just so attractive. Uh, Jack asked if the one photo he'd sent were black-eyed Susans. And black-eyed Susans are definitely blooming now. But the one that Jack sent me a photo of looks like one of our wild sunflowers, perhaps a woodland sunflower, which hybridizes with Jerusalem artichoke and other sunflowers. And it really makes identification difficult sometimes. Uh, Black-eyed Susans, I don't know three foot high maybe mm-hmm. and these sunflowers will get six to seven feet high so they're they're much taller uh vicky laroon sent a, a photo of another nest blown down recently she had a hummingbird nest earlier this one is in the backyard it uh, it doesn't seem completed the builder used very stiff grass almost like an old-fashioned broom grass I don't recognize as anything I planted in my yard, but there's also a plastic straw wrapper, probably from a juice box woven in. It fascinates me, the beauty of the sculpture and the weaving. Uh, yeah, thanks, Vicki. I don't know for sure. It could be any number of birds, but I'm going to guess catbird or thrasher. And this would be, as you uh, have indicated, just part of the nest. I see more and more birds using plastic in nests, and catbird would be the more likely probably of those two. I used to think that putting plastic in nests was especially of the house sparrow, but it's no longer. I think it's just there's <clears throat> there's so much plastic available that other things are just saying, well, here this is all of a sudden has become natural building material for now, a lot of birds. Speaking of, of plastic, this morning I, I went out to pick those flowers I was telling you I brought into work and there was a woodpecker. We have one of those weather 
um, oh, the weather center things. It's like a plastic thing with the little dealy on top to tell the wind speed and all that sort of thing. Well, the woodpecker was pecking on the plastic and it's hard plastic. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out why is he pecking on the plastic? There's obviously no insects in it and he was on the pole and there's a wooden pole beneath it but no he was pecking on the plastic the hard plastic what in the world is wrong with him do you think i have no idea <laughs> you wouldn't think uh that would be uh drumming so he wouldn't be doing drumming there because uh, certain times of the year that's where they get out and they drum to declare territory and let all other woodpeckers know that they are the biggest and the baddest of that species. But who knows what he was doing. Sometimes, you know, they're just investigating. Oh. And this time of year when you have young ones, they're just out there trying to find their way in the world well, so they he, could be doing He was kind of a smaller things. one. I think he looked like, do we have nut-tail woodpeckers or would it have been something it had... We have downy woodpeckers so was, would be our small ones. Yeah, it was probably a downy and he was kind of smaller, so maybe... Uh, he was a baby, but I just thought that was really odd. And I said, what are you doing on the plastic? There's like a wood pole beneath it. <laughs> he probably did not know. There's oh. a good <laughs> chance of that where he's just saying, what is this thing? Is it edible or what can I, uh, what kind of sound does it make? So he's uh, learning uh, minute by minute. Okay. I got a cool email from Michael who said, Al, I need your help deterring sparrows in my yard. Specifically, they swarm onto my 1927 brick foundation, not concrete block, and destroy the mortar. Oh. I have sprayed the brick and mortar with an insecticide, but I really think they like the sand in the mortar. My house has three-foot-high foundations, so the disappearing mortar is very noticeable, and I spent a few thousand dollars re-tuck-pointing it a couple years ago. Don't give me the burger answer to my problem. Give me the farmer version. P.S. I am an environmentalist. Uh, environmentalist but when it costs me money and destroys my property i get mad thanks for any advice well thank you michael great to hear from you and thanks for listening i usually hear this kind of inquiry when it involves woodpeckers and insects on houses you know usually on siding and things and then spraying is good to kill the insects and then you kind of do away with the woodpeckers i mean they don't come there you don't do away with them they just go somewhere else <laughs> right. But seed-eating birds, as you kind of hinted at, they eat mortar for the grit. And because they have no teeth, they utilize small, hard pieces of stone or sand as abrasive, digestive helpers. And birds swallow small bits of grit to act like teeth in the gizzard, which is a specialized stomach constructed of thick, muscular walls used for grinding up food. And the grit helps to break down hard foods such as seeds or the hard exoskeletons of insects. You could try, Michael, leaving a pile of coarse sand either on the ground or on a platform feeder near the problem area. This way they'll have an easier option to choose from rather than having to attack your home. You could try putting temporary netting over the area. I don't know how effective that would be. Uh, house sparrows are not protected, so you could use um, sparrow traps. They're available. You could probably maybe find some, uh, I don't know, humane society or something that might allow uh, the borrowing of these. Uh, I'll continue to 
consider your question in hopes other ideas will magically appear. If anybody has any, has had experience here uh, right now, I'll say, Michael, is good luck to you. It's a, it's an odd but great question. So, uh, hmm. again, thanks for listening to KMSU. Uh, watershed residents are invited to a kickoff meeting for the Lesseur River Watershed One Watershed One Plan planning process on Thursday, September 16th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the St. Olaf Lake Park, New Richland. That's located four and a half miles northeast of New Richland. And the watershed is located in south-central Minnesota. The the Sewer River flows 111 miles from Freeborn County through parts of Wasika, Faribault, and Blue Earth Counties. And it also has tributaries, the major ones, the Cobb and the Maple. And the watershed is a land area that is drained by these rivers, and it encompasses 711,838 acres, including the communities of Eagle Lake, Janesville, Mapleton, New Richland, Minnesota Lake, Wells, and portions of Mankato and Wasika. If you'd like more information, you can go to Lesur 1W1P website. Lesur 1W1P. You know, that's... Make sure that's... you spell... I was going to say, that's great information because I'm on the Lake Washington Improvement Association. There's a water quality committee, and we just had an engineering company in and and do a, an assessment of the watershed and where all the, the pollutants and things are coming in. And it's really fascinating that how far away some things that come into the lake and make it the water quality really bad come from. And, and some of the simple things people can do but just don't do. So it's if anything, it's good to get an education on what role you can have even if you're not right on the lake shore and with the uh, blue green algae that we've had this year on uh, some of our lakes and oh. things it's it's become uh, much more apparent to people that uh, some things need to be changed in certain certain areas but yeah here you got 711,838 acres that's just mm. I, it's beyond imagination how big this watershed is a listener says, I see tall trees with silver leaves. What might they be? The silver undersides of silver maple leaves make an impressive showing when the wind blows. So that'd be my uh, my first pick. Uh, Jerry Victor of Allendale asks, when hummingbirds leave? Ruby-throated hummingbirds begin to migrate south in mid-August, and most have left the state by the end of September, although stragglers are found into October. And again, keeping your hummingbird feeders up, that won't cause the tiny birds to stay. You're doing them a, a favor. Do we duck because of the habits of ducks? <laughs> yes. Uh, our modern English word duck comes from the old English, it's D-U-C-A-N, uh, I don't know if it's, I think it's ducan, which had nothing to do with a bird. So it was a verb meaning to plunge out or underwater or suddenly to dive or dip. So the name of the duck for the waterfall came from its habit of feeding by ducking or plunging its head into water. And a lot of Folks will remember to prepare for an atomic bomb. Many American school children were taught to duck and cover. What's the difference between a bill and a beak? Not a thing. The two words are synonymous. Ornithologists, I think, use bill more than beak, but that doesn't matter. Uh, some people use beak when referring to songbirds when they're pointed bills and bill for 
birds like ducks, but they mean the same thing. I think there are more grasshoppers there year, this year. Am I crazy? I'm not qualified to judge your mental state, but, uh, you know, fungi are one of the major threats to grasshopper eggs. So hot, dry weather limits the growth of it and results in larger proportion of eggs hatching. So grasshoppers are cold-blooded creatures. Insects are, and hot weather means their metabolism runs faster, so they eat more and grow faster. Grasshoppers are often more numerous in hot, dry conditions. I want to thank everybody for, man, I just, and I, I won't get to everybody, but I promise you I will. And Michael, I'm going to keep thinking about your house under attack by house sparrows. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think we should maybe make a movie of that and send it out to Sundance. Uh, thanks everybody for sitting on the porch with us. Uh, you know, one day I, I was busier than a mirror merchant during an earthquake. <laughs> and my early morning drive in the big city found me in the middle of the state padiddle championships. And a padiddle, for folks that don't know, that refers to a car with only one working headlight. You'd get to kiss your sweetie if you saw one or maybe punch a buddy in the arm if you'd say padiddle when you saw one. But anyway, I was driving along wondering why I'd purchase coconut shampoo, and I, I, I don't even <laughs> own a coconut. And I was listening to the voice of my GPS direct me to where I needed to be. And the traffic was heavy enough as I drove on what was left of a road, as we all know, during road construction. And finally, the GPS said, in 600 feet, turn right and let me out. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Uh, do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. And I appreciate you. Thank you. We appreciate you, too, Al. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.